0: Episode of Sports Cards Live with your host Jeremy Lee. All right, everybody, welcome to episode number 139 of Sports Cards Live. It is Saturday night, May the seventh, two thousand twenty-two. My name is Jeremy Lee. I do want to thank last weekend's guest, Mike Giuseppe from Sports Cards Nonsense and Card Shop Live, for joining the show. We had a great episode. You can check that out on the YouTube channel tomorrow on collectible live my guest will be none other than Corey donovan also known as Yamwax. will be joining us on the collectible tv youtube channel be sure to check that out we will be streaming an hour earlier tomorrow night than usual at 6 p.m eastern time later tonight on after hours another open mic i a i'll be showing some cards a few things and i've been doing personally in the hobby over the last week my my mail days and that so check that out later tonight after we are done with this episode with david ciao i want to shout out channel sponsor center stage app download the app in the app store for quick comps whether you're selling at a card show or looking around and buying cards if you're pricing your cards at a vendor it's a great tool the app is continuously improving so join me in supporting these hobbypreneurs as they endeavor to make the hobby better than it already is i want to also shout out the sport card expo june 2nd to 5th in toronto sportcardexpo.com this show is going to be Amazing. I was talking to some people today about it. We are super excited. Make sure to come up to Toronto for that show at the beginning of June, just a month away. Holy. Shout out to the Hobbies Middleman service, TradeSafe, your risk-free alternative for trades and buy-sells on any peer-to-peer social media platform. We've created a service, a process, and a team that is making remote dealing safer and easier than ever before. Check out Tradesafehub.com. I want to shout out, special shout out, to sports card nonsense. That's Mike Giuseppe. Uh, and I also want to shout out Roland with FD. Both of these groups have invited me onto their podcast. So that will be happening at some point this week or the next. Check those out. I want to thank all you subscribers, viewers, podcast listeners. If you're not yet subscribed to the channel, please take a second. Go ahead and do so. As always said, everybody, your comments, your questions are in play. Let's get to it. Tonight's guest started in the hobby in 1996, the day after Kobe won the slam dunk contest. He went to a card shop and started collecting basketball cards. In 1997, he started buying and selling for a living and began acquiring some of the biggest cards in the hobby. By 2011, he was selling off many of his cards, but he did acquire a LeBron James Exquisite RPA and a Sidney Crosby Cup RPA as well. His favorite teams are the LA Lakers and the Detroit Red Wings, and his favorite athletes are Kobe Bryant, Sidney Crosby, and Steve Iserman, originally from Shanghai and currently residing there in lockdown. Let's bring him out. David Chow, welcome to Sports Cards Live. How are you doing this morning in Shanghai?
1: I'm good, Jeremy. Thank you for having me here. Um, You're absolutely right. I'm in total lockdown for the past
0: 40-something days now. Wow! What I got to ask, Dave? What are you doing? How are you keeping busy? How are you not going? Listen, you you have a lot of books, I can see right there. So yep. you have, yep. you have a lot of ways to keep your mind active. But what are you doing? What are you doing in this time, just to stop from pulling your hair out? This is the only
1: time in the last, I would say, fifteen years where I get to see um, all the playoff games for basketball, for hockey. You know, I'm pretty much watching all the games
0: right now. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And baseball.
0: So, I'm actually finishing a baseball game. Well, I mean, you're a sports fan all around, right? You 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 like basketball. You like hockey quite a bit. You obviously baseball, football. So, I mean, it must be nice to be able to just sit back, and watch. Let me ask you this: like, how do you integrate watching the sports with the current hobby? Do you find yourself watching a game and then noticing a player and looking on various platforms to see what's available? I'm the worst in that aspe- aspect, you know, all the prospecting, you
1: know, I don't remember any of the names. So um, I guess I, I'm more of the old timers. I, I still like prefer the, uh, the more blue chip um, athletes. And um, um, you know, I, I, I collect the, the young, um, the young guns for a lot of new hockey players for sure. But you know, I don't remember all of them.
0: <laughs> and are you finding yourself watching a lot of the NHL playoffs right now? Oh, it's crazy. It's the best. It's the best. It's the best. It, it the feels best. like, Dave, it feels to me like something changed this season in the NHL. We're seeing yeah. so much more offense, so many more goals being scored. We had like 600-point players this season. Usually we're lucky if we get one. Do you have right. any theories as to why we're seeing so much more offense? And and I mean, let's just admit, with more offense will come more interest in the hobby because the hobby loves offense in all sports. So Exactly. You know, any theories as to why we're seeing so many more goals being scored?
1: <clears throat> well, I think, you know, for one, when we look at the, you know, the games right now, um, it's drastic different from what we had, right? Um, there's definitely way less penalty right now. Um, I think it's all, it's, it's becoming more like Olympic games, you know, um, where there's just not that physical. And I think there's less injuries for, for, for players. And um, like you said, maybe, you know, the, um, the leagues just tell the player, you know, just score more.
0: <laughs> just, they, yeah they tell the player they it,
1: just it's, try. it's actually becoming yeah. like basketball you know um uh, but 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 it's a different it's a bit different because um when basketball changed to this three-point kind of games i kind of stopped watching it you know i still like my physical 90s basketball
0: yeah yeah i was a i was a big fan in the 80s i was watching in the 80s when it was always the the pistons and the trailblazers and uh yep. eventually the bulls and you know those are that was the yep. era that i was a, a big fan in it's still it's obviously very exciting right now with the plant what a great time of year right now is this not the best time of year being locked down watching hockey for sure <laughs> <laughs> right on well i love that i love that one of the mo- i mean listen you are you are a significant collector in the hobby you've you've uh like like i've said you've You've had big cards you've moved big cards you you've actually put your fingerprint on 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 history here as far as the hobby goes and for such a you know you're a little bit under the radar but you know those who know know who you are and uh it's cool that uh, a significant collector like yourself is a big hockey fan because hockey does not get the love that it deserves in my opinion i've i've been watching uh, and and just seeing a, a whole bunch of different um little mini pieces of content lately where people are taught they they talk about every sport but they don't mention hockey so it really you know it really hits home to understand just how uh how how little hockey is appreciated south of the border or you know in the united states really but uh, here we have you in in shanghai um you know happy to be locked down so you can watch all the games so that's that it's cool that a collector of, of your at your level is a big hockey fan and collects hockey cards maybe some of your basketball collector friends will take will take notice although i think a lot of them have over the past little while anyway so make does that uh make sense to you at all it does it does for
1: sure um it's it's kind of saddening, like right now to see hockey has pretty much become i don't know in, in collecting in the hobby it's becoming the sixth the fifth or sixth uh behind even soccer now maybe even behind f1 i don't know um yeah you know yeah, so so I don't know, but but I, but but I think for for guys like Wynn Gretzky and McDavid, they are still doing really well, um, you know,
0: because that's a name that everyone knows. Yeah, no, one hundred percent agree. It it seems like the the stars in hockey are uh, you know the big names, the 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 goats and the blue chips are always always doing well, and right now better better than ever. So let's get into a bit of your hobby history before we before we sort of approach. Uh, the, the topic of regret because i know that you know you've sold you've sold a lot of cards uh maybe just before the boom and uh we want you know people want to hear about that and it's 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 humbling of you to to come on and be willing to have that discussion so i appreciate it i know i know it's because listen there's been so many flexes lately over the past couple of years of, of you know people buying cards low selling them high you know not 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 to mention of course there's been the the decline that we've seen since about a year ago but despite that the the hobby is up over the past five years and uh and and it's it's somewhat refreshing to to have a discussion with somebody who's willing to talk about you know what they regret you know it's one thing to say don't live without regrets but it's not Mm -hmm. always realistic i don't think and the one thing about regrets are especially in the hobby is that you know you you got to look forward you can't always look back i know that you're you're that kind of guy you're not sitting here dwelling on the past too much yeah. looking back you are you are looking forward and uh you know even on the cards that you sold too early you still did well on them so we'll get to that soon but let's let's hear a bit more about you david how did you get involved in the hobby in the first place
1: yeah like you mentioned in the, uh, in the beginning you know like um i was i was um i actually you know uh, watched a lot of basketball when i was much younger um starting like from 91 92 uh i was really young but it was magic johnson um that i uh well i guess it was the olympic the dream team that kind of really got me hooked into sports and uh i got and 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 when canada had its own team you know the raptors and especially the grizzlies that's when i seriously got into um going to the games and and seriously got hooked but i didn't know there were sports cards so um so it was um, after the '96 dunk contest when Kobe Bryant won, when this phenom that had his, um, you know, crazy dunk at that time, which is nothing now, right? Um, you yeah. know, <laughs> yeah. But, but at that time, it was crazy. Um, so, um, so, um, so I was, I was actually in in this, in this shopping mall in in Burnaby, in Vancouver, um, called uh, Metro Town, and there was a car shop. I didn't know what that was. I just walked in and I got hooked right away. Yeah.
0: What was it? What was it? Take yourself back to that day. What was it that hooked you? And I I ask because, you know, listen, I've been collecting for 40 years and people often I I saw a question someone put on Twitter. I think I think Sue's Yanks chick put on Twitter uh, on her card chat on Wednesday. um, What was the card that got you hooked on the hobby? And I don't know for me that there was one. I don't remember that far back. What was the card that hooked me? But what you know? What was it for you that really hooked you on the hobby when you walked into the store that day?
1: Well, I remember um, exactly, and I actually have that card to um to, to to talk about uh, that the exact card that got me hooked. Um, it was when I walked in because Ricky had the showcase in the front, and um, the first thing I saw in the in the, in the center of the showcase is a four thousand Canadian dollar tag of a card, which you know. It was mind-boggling for someone uh, my age at that time to think that there's something that's four thousand Canadian. Yeah, so that kind of um, that's a total, um, you know, um, um, game changer for me. So and, and the card is um, 1984 star rookie the XRC Michael Jordan. Yeah, the one the star 101. The star 101, and at that time it wasn't really being called the XRC. It was still more of his true
0: RC. Right. Right. Yeah. Back then. And now, now the hot, and listen, it's a bit of a divisive sort of subject, right? A lot of, some people consider 86 Fleer the rookie. Some people consider 84 star 101 the rookie. Some people like myself don't care anymore. I don't, I don't care which way that that debate goes. I, I have an 86 Fleer. I consider that to be the RC, but yeah. For me, I don't I don't it's not one or the other. It's an and for me. I think I'd like to have both of them. I think the star would complement uh, where do you where do you stand on that discussion though? Do you think that one is the rookie and one isn't or or do you not care sort of like myself? I don't care anymore. Like you said, I don't care anymore. It's um you know whatever you preferred. And but I I
1: still think the star rookie has so much potential because of its rarities. And once one day if, you know, the big grading companies will start grading that card it's going to, you know, go go off the roof
0: for sure. Yeah. You know, it. listen, you, a lot of people make comments like that, you know, oh, if this happens, then this card's going to go through the roof, like you just said. But when you say that, Dave, because you're someone who's been around a long time, you've experienced ups and downs. I'm going to like, to me, when it's you saying that, I take that to the bank. You know, I think that you're, uh, I, yeah. I, I trust when you say that. Now, no one knows for sure, but I think you you come with a uh, good I, I don't usually say like that. You know, I no. don't. No. Yeah, yeah, nor do I. But it's it's good to hear. Um, yeah. I shouldn't say it's good to hear, but when you say it, I I actually put some credence uh towards it. You. you um, one of the first things you collected was the nineteen ninety six, Topps chrome refractor set. Is that right? Yeah. Um, no, it was actually um the finest refractor set. Oh, the finest, ref- okay. That okay. I
1: came before the Topps Chrome. Um, so so that rookie Kobe, uh, the one where he's posing like that, you know, remember um, the bronze one, you know, I couldn't afford uh, the silver and gold at that time. Uh, the bronze one was the card
0: to get. Back yeah. in the day. And Back in the day. And you collected the set. So are you, do you consider yourself a bit of a set collector or more of a singles collector? I'm a set collector to this day hey yeah and we'll get into what you're what you're doing today uh in the hobby shortly i want to go to some comments here we've got a whole bunch that have rolled in including some people talking about what card got them hooked so i see justin vick answered that as well yeah guys if you're you know out there watching let us know what uh what card got you hooked in the hobby that's always fun to fun to know put some of those in the comments and we'll we'll read them out and see what some of those are so there you are collecting in the late 90s, after the Kobe Bryant wins the dunk contest, you did you end up buying a Star 101 Michael Jordan?
1: That came in about um, 1999-ish. 98, 99-ish. I, I didn't buy the single car. I actually bought the whole bag set. Yeah. The original form where that... Actually, I had the whole set one from 80, 83
0: to 86. So. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Did you ever open up the the little baggy pack that had the Jordan in it? I well, a couple
1: years ago, I eventually fall to the devils. Um, I I tried to, I graded the card, so so I opened it up. Yeah. You did, huh? How did yeah. it grade? It came back a uh, uh, BGS eight.
0: Oh, uh, pretty good, right? I'm guessing centering was the weakest subgrade.
1: Yeah, well, it was not best centering. Uh, I I just think maybe the edges or something, but it's still it's. It's it, it's it's cool to pull the card out of the bag and ascend it grading yourself, so you yeah. know nothing is wrong with the card.
0: No, and, and hey, at least you know it's real. It came out of the original pack and all yeah. that, so that's yeah. pretty cool. I mean, that's a card that has a lot of counterfeits out there, so yeah. you have you have complete peace of mind knowing that you opened that from the original pack itself. Let's uh, let's go to some comments, Dave, and then we'll come back and we'll okay. we'll talk about some of the big cards that you were into uh, in the early 2010s. There. Troy's Collectibles, what's going on? Good to have you, Troy. Good evening, Vintage Card Collector. P. Roy said, sold too soon. The Regret Chronicles. I feel tonight's episode could hurt. I think a lot, I think we will have a few uh, cringes throughout the episode tonight. Jeff McMahon, good evening to you. Drake's PC in the house. What's going on, Drake? Good to see you. We got Mikey at Eastridge. Justin Vick, watching as I put 85 Fleer and some Ultra Pro pages. Zen. Isn't that the most Zen thing you can do in the hobby is, Starts binding up it. some cards, right? Good evening, Lucky K. Troy says, I like David even more. Favorite team, the Red Wings, and one of his favorite players, Steve Eiserman. There you go. Brandon you. Metalberg's looking for trouble here. Go Stars. I got to say, go Flames, but I see below <laughs> Terry. Terry lets me know that my Flames are already down one nothing. That's not a good start. Chad Shipper, what's going on? Good luck to my Flames. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Lucky K, being in another country, do you see trading card sales climbing in other countries? We'll put this to you right now, Dave. Uh, okay. Yes. Speak a little bit about what you're seeing in in, in uh, Shanghai and China.
1: Well, I would have to say um, the growth of, of of this hobby in Shanghai is gone off the roof. It's it's it, it might be even bigger growth than it's happening in the states right now. Um, <clears throat> you know, it might be ten times, twenty times, thirty times, fifty times growth every year. That's what I'm seeing right now. There's so many people buying.
0: And how do you see this? How are you actually witnessing this? Um well, I actually I invested in a platform in China
1: regarding sports cards. Uh they do break in, they do all kinds of stuff. So so I have the numbers
0: to to, to kind of support that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Again, again, you you you're coming you're coming with with something to actually lean on. I, I like that. Yeah. Albert Jones. Good evening to you. Uh, Lucky. K, yeah. What sports in particular do you see? I mean, listen, I, I feel like basketball has got to be the number one sport in, in, in China. When I say China, can, can let me ask you this. Can I say, can I say China and Shanghai interchangeably? Like, yeah. will this will the same, will the same sort of effects be in play for both? Because I know China's obviously a lot bigger than Shanghai.
1: Well, um, I think the biggest growth is actually, well, Shanghai is pretty big, but I think everywhere in China, it's, it's catching up to, to the game. Because for the last couple of years, um, it was actually, um, um, you know, um, shoes that was really gone big in this country. And I think that movement, a lot of them shifted
0: to um, sports cards. And so basketball is the number one. Is that true? Basketball number one? and Definitely. Basketball, what? soccer. Yeah. And then what?
1: Um, and then like, um, like, like anywhere else, you know, um, uh, prospecting, okay. um, They might not watch baseball, but I think Bowman Chrome's catching up. I'm seeing in my, um, in my, um, social media, um, the China, Chinese version of social media. I, I just saw some guy last night breaking, like, I don't know 30 cases of Bowman Chrome that just came out. So, yeah. How about hockey?
0: How's hockey doing over there?
1: I had big hope actually with the winter Olympic um, too bad. The, 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 the major players couldn't make it right. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. well, to me, it had more to do with politics, but we're not going to talk about it here, but, um, but the whole winter game has elevated, um, people's interest in this country with, um, with all the winter games. It's okay. maybe hockey less. So, because there
0: was no star players. Yeah. That, that, that really did hurt. But, uh, Hey, that was a decision that had to be made. I'm sure, uh, we have S yeah. S T H O in the house. Good evening to you. Oh, Steve H. Good to have you. Eric Sanderson to org. Good to see you, buddy. Steve Elmore. Good evening. Justin Vick says 85 Fleer, Kirby Puckett got me hooked. See that, that resonates with me. I, I get that. Cause I remember how elusive that card was that, at that time in the Roger Clemens. I mean, those were yeah. big cards back then. That's cool to hear about for sure goes on to say, I think the reluctance of the grading companies to grade star cards has shaped the opinion of the true RC. Yeah. Probably has something to do with it. B Roy, it doesn't matter which one is the true RC, if you were in this for collecting and not solely investing. Yeah, I, I think so B. Roy. I mean, I think I, I hear what you're saying, but I do think that, uh, you know, whether or not one has the designation or not, I can see that having an impact on both. Like. The Star 101 doesn't need to have the RC designation for it to be a good investment still, nor to be a good. Like for me as a collect, I would acquire one for the collecting and the investing. I think it, I think it it hits both. I think it checks both of those boxes. Uh Troy wants to know, David, do you have several Iserman cards in your personal collection? Any favorites?
1: I do. Um, I have actually quite a few of the nineties inserts Izerman. That's what I kind of focused for my PC at that time. Um, you know, the mirror golds, you know, the, the Pacific stuff, uh, Lazarin's, um, you know, some of the rare upper deck, the black diamonds, the low numbers yeah. and stuff like, yeah.
0: Right yeah. on. Right on. It's Cause that's when I was watching his game really. Yeah. Yeah. Back then for sure. Mickey McLucky says Jose Canseco 86 Donruss rated rookie. That's another one that, you know, hits a chord with me. I remember I, I traded away a a, a car stereo for one of those cards back in probably, I don't know, 1989, something like that. SSTHO, card for me, the 0506, the cup, dual noble numbers, Crosby Ovechkin out of 10. Didn't fit into the 130.1 touch. That's right. Those were thick cards. That's a cool yeah. one. That's a cool one, Steve. JH, the Fedorov, Sergei Fedorov, young guns for him. That's a card. You, you must have liked that card back in the day, Dave, because he was a Red Wing. That was a big card back then, right? For sure, for sure. For sure, for sure. Jeff McMahon, the Eisman rookie card got you hooked. Troy, it's 79 OPC. Hockey was my first set to collect. Been collecting ever since. That's Troy. That goes back for me too. That's like the year before, the bossy year. The 78 OPC are the first cards I remember really ever seeing. Daniel Busby says hit that like button, guys. Thank you, Daniel. Terry Fortune lets me know the flame score. Thank you, Terry. What's up? <laughs> What's up, Skeppy? Goal called back. No good. Thanks anyway, Terry vintage card collector I've heard in China there isn't much interest in basketball cards pre-Jordan era is that true Dave I think it's um
1: I think people are getting into vintage actually um I I saw on social medias where people are actually buying you know PSA eights PSA nines um you know Magic rookies uh Will Chamberlain rookies 61 Flair cards like that yeah the 48 Michaels people are even buying that now so so I think that's changing
0: it's changing all the, all the, all the, the major, uh, real, like the, the grails, if you will, the Mount Rushmore cards are the ones you just, listed yeah. that, that makes sense to me. Mickey McLucky, I see soccer is getting popular. Is that true? You mentioned that it was already, uh, we got Dave here, Dave, what is going on? This is Dave says that Dave on the screen has some monsters Crosby limited logo Hey, we'll, we'll let, we'll let that Dave on screen show some cards later, but uh, yes, yeah. you definitely have some big cards. Dave on screen. Uh, what's, Barbara, welcome to the show. What's up, buddy, Facebook user. Brandon says, Dave, do you don't own any high-end hockey cards? Do you? Well, we'll show some of it. <laughs> <laughs> stay, he, tuned. He does, Brandon, stay tuned. He does, he does. Georgetown got into the hobby through the 89 Upper Deck rookie. Yes, that I think that card got a lot of people into the hobby yeah. because that was Upper Deck. Re- really, you know, increase, like, Changing the game, leveling up the hobby completely with that. Oh, there's something I want to
1: add to that, you know, on Griffey. I think one card is, is the 86 Upper Deck. The other card that changed the hobby would be the 1996 Flare Showcase One of Ones. Oh. The first one of Ones ever. Remember that car? The three, the there were three pieces. versions. And at that time, it was the first modern car breaking $10,000. It was showcased all over on back of magazines and stuff like that. That's a game yeah. changer. At that in that,
0: that year was, yeah that was a game changer for sure james says i spent time in singapore and all the malls there were loaded with card shops is china the same
1: i think china like any other industry right now is more uh focused on e-commerce right there's less shops
0: yeah right on Uh, we have Suze in the house if that if that is the real Suze, i'm guessing it is uh just called you out Suze, too or didn't call you out just uh mentioned you a few minutes ago. So welcome to the show in terms of one of your card chat questions the other day. All right. Okay. Well, let's, let's get into some of these cards because here you are, you know, you're, you're collecting in the, in the mid, in, in the end of the nineties. And then you, you, you start acquiring some of the biggest cards in the hobby. You know, how did you know what the, well, first of all, why don't you tell us what they were, but I also want to, how did you know what to buy and, and, and were you, or were you just buying what you liked?
1: Well, um, like everyone else collecting in the 1980s, '90s, it has to, um, you know, we follow Beckett, <laughs> the hot list. <laughs> right. And, uh, and uh, being Canada at that time, and also I moved back to Hong Kong for a couple of years, um, it, it, it's just waiting for Beckett to come out every month. That was probably the most exciting thing every month, to have right. the new issues of, of, of Beckett. So, so, yeah, so I start, um, I got, like, I, I went back to Hong Kong in 1998. That's when I seriously got into buying and trading and selling at that time. So uh, I was able to acquire a lot of big cards. Um,
0: yeah. And so talk about them. What did you love about them? What What were the big cards that you were buying back in those years? Okay. It was, like I said, I was a set collector.
1: And, um, and um, you know, uh, I was actually, um, what my family did a little bit of um, antique and art trading and buying even before that so they kind of supported me as well they understand collectibles so i was lucky with uh, for that right so um so um so my dad was able to you know lend me some money to do that (laughs) yeah so um so no but i i collected runs of cards sets and pretty much all the 1997 98 99 um all the big sets you could find at that time. I pretty much had them all. Um, let's, well, let, let me just throw out some big ones. You know, you know, everybody everybody's so crazy over PMGs now, right? I had the whole set of the red version basketball and uh, I was missing about 20 of the green. How many yeah. cards are in that set? Is that a hundred card set? Yeah, it's a, a, bit, a bit more than that. I kind of forgot now, it's been so long ago, right? Um, and then for Star Rubies, I had Ninety-five percent of the set, um, ultra platinum for basketball. Um, I had the whole set.
0: You the know, the, rave, the medallion, the uh, medallion, wow. that
1: which I sold on PWCC a couple years ago. The whole set, people probably remember. Yeah, yeah, and um, and the raves, the super raves. You know, the Upper Deck jersey cards. I had all the sets from different sports. You know, the the '96 hockey, the. The, the baseball and, you know, the, the basketball, the 97, 98 basketball, including a card that we're going to talk about later in the regrets series, the Jordan autograph,
0: the first Jordan autograph, Jersey card. And what about, you mentioned, uh, you just mentioned off some beautiful cards and sets there. What about the essential credentials? I mean, I, I kind of know the answer to this, but talk about the essential credentials. Did you have the futures and the nows complete as well? Definitely not complete because of the one-of-ones,
1: you know, um, sure. um, yeah. So, um, but I pretty much have all the low numbers and the high numbers, you know, I'm probably just missing a couple of that, of those cards,
0: but yeah. you don't have and for
1: baseball anymore. as well. You, I, I pretty much completed, all, uh, completed all the basketball vintage cards from 48 to, um, at that time, 1997, right. The, the main base version of all sets, you know, the tops, the flare, the Bowman, everything, um, for, I was getting into baseball vintage, um, i had some really big cards i had mickey Mantle PSA 8 1952. wow yeah. but when i sold that you... card when i sold that car about in the early 2000s okay way back yeah yeah
0: one of the you know we're gonna get into it but one of the things that we uh, that i always kind of think about and i've sold cards early as well you know i think we all have i think everybody sold the card too early, and for everybody who bought a card early, someone else sold it. Uh, someone else sold it to you uh, at too early there. Yeah. But um, you know, I always like to think that you know you took that money and you put it into something different in the hobby. And uh, you know whether you did or didn't, we'll get into that. But that's that's something that that's something that you can always sort of fall back on if that is something that you ended up actually doing. At what point? So you have all these cards. You end up selling them off down the road, but what happened in '03 when LeBron James came into the league and Exquisite came out for the first time? You know, did that reinvigorate you in the hobby? What happened? To, what happened at that time? Well, actually,
1: I kind of got out of the hobby once I moved back to Vancouver from Hong Kong um, around 2000, and then I told I stopped collecting um, when the Grizzlies left. It was too heartbreaking, um, so I just got out of the hobby. And all the cards that I bought that I couldn't sold at that time because I paid too much. You know, it was, it was not cheap when I paid it compared to what happened following, the following decade, right? Um, a lot of PMGs actually went down. They didn't go up. They went down in price. So um, I couldn't sell them. So I just kept them. I never looked at them. I didn't want to look at them. Even when LeBron, you know, when the 03 draft class came up, um, I, wasn't, I didn't collect. I didn't collect until 2005. Uh, when the Crosby rookie class came, um, Crosby and Ovechkin and, you know, the stoppage of, of the uh, NHL um, the previous years, that's when I kind of got back into it. But it was only temporary for a year or two. But I was seriously collecting in 2005
0: again. So so you came back in 05 because of hockey, <laughs> but then you looked backwards and you went and you picked up a LeBron James exquisite RPA as well. I did. I did. I paid about... Um, uh, in two thousand five, actually,
1: I paid about about fifteen thousand to twenty thousand or something like that. I can't remember. Um, yeah, so so it was a good buy at that time. But um, but wait till I tell the price I sold it for.
0: <laughs> for a card that's <laughs> worth over a million dollars today.
1: Well, let's well, put it this way. You know, after this episode, I'm gonna make everyone feel good
0: about regrets. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of regret here, Justin Vick says, no need for regret. you made some money. It's not like you put the cards in bicycle spokes. And I gotta tell you guys, I mean, I've talked with Dave here. We've gotten to know each other. and for for, for someone who's got some regret, he handles it very, very well. So uh, I don't think anyone's really gonna feel sorry for for Dave here, but uh, I think it's it's entertaining and it's, it's refreshing to see how you do approach this and just that you're willing to, to talk about. It. So let's get into it. Let's talk about some of these regrets that you have and some of the cards that, that you did sell too early. You know, again, we, we celebrate the wins in the hobby. You don't hear a lot about some of the, the losses, yeah. let's say. So let's hear about some. Let's hear about some of them. And, and, and let's start off by talking about how do you feel about it? Do you dwell on these? Where is your head at? Like literally some people, you know, if, who, who might have left millions of dollars on the table could be depressed about it. They could have actual, you know, mental health issues stemming from it. it how, how do you handle it? How do you how are you dealing with it when you look back? Um, I'm uh, I would say I'm a
1: pretty um, optimistic person overall. And um, it was good that I didn't look at cards for over a decade. You know, I, I started looking uh, through them in 2011-ish, 12-ish, because um, cards was kind of like going up a little bit, and um, um, so I, I I took them out of the garage and started looking at them, going through them, and and send many of them to the grading companies. Um, but then I realized it wasn't a passion that I had, um, that I had in the, in the in the late 90s, right? So um, so I kind of made a decision at that time to kind of sell everything just get out of the hobby altogether. And um, so that's what I start doing for the next five years. That's how long it took me to sell most of my collection. How well, let me, some, let me put a perspective. You know, people want to hear numbers. Um, between 2012 and 2017, um, I calculated, you know, I was going through my PWCC account and some other accounts, my eBay and some other auction accounts. I calculated it. I sold three
0: million dollars worth of cards what about does that does and that includes like private deals like the one that spinatron mentioned yeah that uh, includes on
1: instagram yeah that includes that that's 2014 that has sold him but then uh, between those years the three million three point something million dollar worth of cards um conservatively estimated would be over
0: 100 million today Yeah, so when I said earlier that people who might have left a few million dollars on the table could 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 be could go could be could suffer mental illness from that self-inflicted I didn't realize I didn't yep. Sorry, sorry Dave. I didn't realize that, that that it was that big of a number. How do you <laughs> How yep. do you how do you deal with that today? Like that's a that's we're talking ninety seven million dollars, let's say. How do you deal with that, leaving that on the table?
1: i um I work hard on other stuff, so that I don't have to think about this money I left on the table. Um, probably you know all the other business that I have now, and you know um, combined will not be able to make that money back anytime soon. so so um you know just enjoy, you know, laugh about it, you know, um seeing knowing myself that you know i've been contributing to this market and this hobby for a long time because a lot of those cards people knew but they don't know it was mine so uh it it was kind of like uh like uh several of those cards became a a game changer for the hobby
0: shifted directions in some ways so i mean listen a lot of the cards the big cards that were sold between 2013 and 2017 and may, maybe I don't want to say most of them, but like a good chunk of them were from your collection and nobody really knows. Well, some people would know, but most of all, most people in the hobby don't know where those cards came from and they came yeah. from your collection. You were watching it. Obviously, you knew exactly what was going on at the time I was watching. I, I had no idea whose they were, but you did. And because they were yours, it feels to me like, you know, this might sound crazy to say, but are you are you partially responsible for the state of the hobby like to now listen the hobby blew up in 2020 we know there were a whole bunch of reasons why between the last yeah. dance and covid and and all these things going on but leading up to that there was there was still a ramp up going into the spring of 2020 do you feel that that your selling of those cards has had something to do with bringing the hobby to where we are today um I would have to say definitely not
1: for the post, um, COVID period, but definitely prior to the post like prior to the COVID period, let's say between the years I sold them to the last big card that I sold the Michael Jordan, PMG green that everyone saw on the screen, that card definitely had an impact on, um, bringing the hobby to the mainstream. Right. I think, I think that card definitely had an impact.
0: Oh, I agree. It, it certainly it had it had an impact on me. I remember watching that auction the first time. Well, let's talk about that for a second because that you sold that card through PWCC. It was a huge card for them at the time, and something happened. If I recall, I think it ended up selling in February of twenty nineteen. Was the ultimate sale? But didn't it? Didn't they list it a couple months before the month before? And there were a bunch of fake bids placed, and then they had to take it down and start over again. What was that like for you as the owner of the card, watching a bunch of people throw in million-dollar bids that we're never gonna, you know, pay for it? And how, what? Explain that whole process and that that chain of events to us, and how you were feeling yep. as that was happening. Um, I mean, I, I was actually in the states
1: uh, when the card was um was sold. I was in in my hotel. I was um I was I was at this art show, you know um um freeze la i was attending the art show um so um i was looking through my ebay and that wasn't it wasn't actually posted a month before it was actually posted days before okay um and they they, they relisted again um it, it, it i mean it, during the second or third days the car went up to over half a million and then um brent just emailed me the owner of pwcc and told me that they, he thinks there's a lot of suspicious bits and he wants to relist it and ask for my opinions because um, before, prior to that car, there were some instances where I was not happy with with how PWCC handled my collection prior to that. Uh, we, we we could get into that later, but but so I agreed to it. I say go ahead, you know. Um, and then so they relisted it and it got sold for three hundred
0: fifty thousand. And are you were you were you satisfied with the sale at three fifty at the time? I was. I was. Yeah. Yeah, it was did you um, know did did you know who who was bidding on it like did you know while while it was while the auction was live did you know who was bidding on that card
1: i knew a couple because they tried to buy it off of me before um and um i knew nat would be um would be a participant but you know i kind of had an idea that he might be he would be
0: the buyer as well so do you know who the underbidder was? I mean somebody somebody had to bid it up to 350, not just yeah. that. So, do you I have any I don't, idea but, but there were uh, a couple of the big time legit buyers for
1: sure. That I could tell you um because they tried to buy it off of me um privately.
0: Actually at a price pretty close to the final sales number actually. What do you think that card is worth today? That exact card that Nat ended oh. up with? I'm not the best person to ask about prices today
1: <laughs> you know um, if you knew what I sold last year uh, um, so um, I I don't know I don't know um, but it but it would be a big big it I think it could break the basketball record again
0: so what is the basketball record right now like five million something like, like that or something or like four, four point something million or something like that yeah right yeah, yeah. so you think it yeah I mean what's there's only 10 made and we, I think one person has four or five of them right now. So that leaves a few, um, tough, tough to say, but it certainly is maybe, you know, the one of it's, it's up there as one of the most important cards in the whole hobby, like in the whole history of the hobby. So if that, and you know, and that copy is not, it's an authentic altered copy as well, isn't it? It's not even graded with a, with a number. So, that's something I would like to add because I, I
1: graded the, um, the near-complete set myself, the red and the green. Um, uh, not with PSA, I graded with BGS. Prior to that, um, I knew when I bought the card, I didn't do anything to it. You know, and many of the cards actually, I opened the cases. You know, I uh, you know, I invested in a card store at that time, and we opened a lot of cases because we couldn't really sell them, um, and we got a couple copies, and even those copies when they were sent to grade, they came back altered.
0: So, even um, though they weren't altered,
1: even though they were pulled from the pack myself. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, as we know, grading is an opinion. It's not, uh, it's not definitive. So it is what it is in that case, but uh, I guess it's just something we have to accept as, as participants in this hobby. So, okay. Yeah. I'm I'm just looking at some comments here, you know, (laughs) Sue's, Susan, her mind is blown. Dave's, uh, Dave, it is wild. And we're talking again, if you can't, if you just joined Dave on screen here, just mentioned that, you know, the cards that he sold between 2013 and 2016, 16, 17, yeah. 16, 17, he sold for about $3 million today. Those cards will be worth over a hundred million dollars. And it's about $97 million left on the table there. So when we're talking about the regret Chronicles, I mean, you know, This guy handles it with a level of of class that I I don't know that I, I I know I wouldn't be handling it that well. So uh, kudos to you. Justin Vick says Dave Chow was an industry. Again, you're somebody who isn't well known, but the key people, people in the hobby who, who know where big cards have been definitely know who you are. Be right. Yeah. And you are smiling for sure. Dave says, well, I'm sure the cards you own today will five X in upcoming years. Hey, hopefully that that'll be good for me. That'd be good for everybody, right? <laughs> Les Edwards, what's going on, Les? Good to see ya. Jay says basically Dave created the first big time collection. I, I think he's talking about the cards you had in your collection. Uh, you know, the modern stuff. The modern I guess stuff. so. I guess so. Skeppy says it's not a, it's not about what you missed, it's about what you did with what you got. So, what did the three million dollars do for you? Do you want to discuss that?
1: Yeah, it's um it's kind of a sad story it went to uh, a company that invested which um went bankrupt during the covid (laughs) 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 so pretty much i lost everything
0: (laughs) stop stop laughing man wow no i'm kidding that's uh the fact that you're laughing is 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 that that's something for sure how 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 are you laughing i mean obviously you obviously you are not starving you've got other things going on you're you're you must be capitalized i have no idea what what your net worth is anything like that not going to ask about it none of our business but is it fair to say that you're you're doing all right
1: i'm doing okay yeah definitely not ultra mega rich but um I'm doing okay I would have to say yeah okay
0: that's good that's good Matthew Jones uh likes your book collection I, I noticed that myself as well uh Latrell Sprewell thanks for the comment we did just talk about that one right there already very good Bill wants to know do you have a brother named Jason that collects as well nope it's not my brother Dave says whoever owns four to five of the PMG Green Michael Jordan should be my next guest. Hey, well we'll see if we can. We'll see if we can. We can uh, make that happen one of these days. Uh, did you own the Allen Houston Green PMG? Yeah, I did. Is that the one? Is that one that Nat still needs for his collection? Is that why we're being asked about it, or is it just the toughest one to find, something like that?
1: I have no idea. I have no idea. I sold the I sold the set um, in succession auctions. I remember. To Pwcc, um, some other cards um, to other auctions, and some even, some was unsold actually. Um, I mean the, the PMG red. I could pull off some of the records I did last night. Um, the reds common was sold between fifty dollars to hundred dollars, and the green commons was sold between $100 and hundred and three hundred dollars.
0: What are they worth? What do you see them selling for today? The red commons.
1: The red commons go anywhere between five hundred to two three thousand and the green ones is usually i I don't know sometimes when the green one comes out some players that you've never heard of goes
0: up to you know a thousand two thousand three thousand to five thousand even yeah Yeah. pretty crazy if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about here we're talking about the the sky the fleer metal universe red and and green precious metal gem parallel sets these were parallel sets to the base cards from this very unique and innovative brand that came out in 1997 uh, with designs by Arena Designs and Jean McLeod, who's a legend in our hobby. Uh, to, and she's back in the hobby now designing cards again for Upper Deck, which is great. Thanks. Great to have her back. And uh, these cards are, are, if you don't know, these cards are pretty much known as the the, the most iconic, the most important um, insert or parallel sets ever to come along in the hobby. They paved the way for many more, many more sets to come afterwards. And, uh, the, there were a hundred total cards. So the first 10, so one of a hundred, two of a hundred, et cetera, were, were green in color yeah. and 11 out of hundred, 12 out of all the way to hundred out of hundred were red in color. And Dave yeah. at one time had the whole red set and almost all of the green set. And now these cards, as he just said, even commons of no names. The greens will sell for 5,000. The reds will sell for a couple thousand themselves for people that you haven't even heard of. So the set is doing very well today. And uh, again, if you're just coming, he mentioned earlier that cards that he sold in the first half of the, 20, the, the, the decade, the 2010s, 2012 to 2016, 17 for 3 million would now be worth over $100 million. So uh, some serious, serious numbers there and uh, really just evidence of of where this hobby I'll is. give us some numbers. I'll give us some numbers later. Yeah. Well, why don't we let's, uh, okay, let me run through some more comments and let's let's do it. Sil- Silver Bowl 30, welcome to the show. We are going to keep going here. Ink Paper Wax says, ciao, sounds like a collector's collector. I think that's for sure. Silver Bowl, who's new to the show, says, hit that like button, everyone. 132 watching, only 27 likes. Come on. Thanks, Silver Bowl. Yeah, guys, take a sec, hit that like button. Why not? It doesn't hurt. doesn't hurt justin vick i would have blown it all on booze <laughs> well, that would have been uh that would have that, the end of the day that might have been more beneficial than losing it in yeah. an investment i don't know i don't know a silver bowl says you have to have kept one big card what was it
1: for basketball um, actually i kept the kobe's till um last year the kobe pmg green that was sold through pwcc for $140,000 okay. and then, and then this year, a Kobe sold for 2 million, right? That that's only one year apart. Um, so, so I kept the Kobe. Um, so,
0: um, yeah. Dr has a question for you. What's an example of a super low dollar value card that brings you joy? I don't actually, I get joys from
1: commons to big cards. You know, I, I I love collecting sets. I miss the time when you um, have all the commons to sort, watching a game, sorting cards. That's what I enjoy most about the hobbies uh, when I was seriously collecting. Um, so I like building sets. I like to put sets in the album. That's a big fun thing to do. You know, so so it's 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 a whole aspect of collecting that I enjoy.
0: Yeah, well, that's good. I mean, that it's like like someone just said, you're a collector's collector, so. That uh, It makes sense that you have that uh, that position right there for sure. Information Man Show, good to have you. Peace and respect to you as well. This guy, how did you get here? We don't know, but uh, welcome to the show. Busby wants to know, did you have any of the NFL precious metal gems?
1: I did. I did, actually. Um, not that many, but I had the players that I liked at that time. You know, um, the Brett Favre, you know, John Elway, some of those
0: cards. They're nice too, right? There's a, there's a nice Jerry Rice PMG Red that's uh, two of them been up on eBay for a while, that no one's had to buy it now on. I wonder why not.
1: Yeah, but I sold them for a couple hundred bucks.
0: Yeah, no, not much, yeah. not much back then. Well, Daniel says they're going crazy lately, which, yes, they are. Silver Bowl, great stuff. Good to see you. Good to see you. Ryan Bitter says, Dave mentioned he was a set collector. It seems like the focus today is exclusively on player collecting with not many Debt collectors. Why is that? Do you have any thoughts on that, Dave?
1: I think it's um, it's the whole media. Well, for, for first of all, when people are just getting into the hobby right now, um, they probably don't even know there's such thing as set collecting, right? There's no one promoting it. There's no father or grandfather, you know, um, you know, collecting the sets with them. So I, I think that's a big issues right now is the media portrayal of the hobby, which has turned totally into an investment
0: vehicle. It's true. I, I, you know, you don't, you don't see a lot of the set. listen, the, the hobby became a hobby of hits. A lot of that would really happen by virtue of the group breakers, the, the online breakers, you know, <laughs> emphasizing the hits. And that's what even the card manufacturers have, they, they run their, when they model out the set, the set checklist, it's all based on hits, how many hits per box and how many hits do they need to produce to, to, to have a whole run of, of a product, to, to hit their numbers. So that's where the hobby's gone to hits. And that's why when you are opening packs of cards now, very rarely do people stop and look at every single card. You, you skim right past the base cards looking for those hits. I think we're yeah. all guilty of that uh, at times when we are opening up packs. So I, I think that's why to Ryan's question. I think that's why. It's become the hobby has become uh, a, a really a, a financial instrument of sorts, and uh, and and that finance that the financial value is derived from these hit- the hits, the more valuable card and the more valuable players and and that sort of thing. So, which makes sense, right? The players that are more culturally relevant, that are actively playing, that show up on the highlights night after night, that are the off- that are the offensive stars of their leagues, they're the ones that get all the love and. It makes sense. But there are still set collectors out there. We have to we have to acknowledge that. We know that. There are people that every year collect Upper Deck Series 1 and Series 2 hockey. Or every year they collect Topps Baseball Flagship or Panini Prism. People still do it. Probably fewer on the Panini Prism than the Topps Flagship or the Upper Deck Hockey. But still, people are still collecting sets. That's for sure. Rich says, sorting cards in front of a game. That's the best, right? That is, that's a great that's hobby true. pastime right there Colin Murray get to see what's going on Justin says online commerce has helped player collecting become more efficient that's true definitely yep. true uh, Eric brings up the triple logo man that was hit was that today or yesterday uh, are you you're aware of that obviously by now Dave what, awesome. what are your thoughts on that card and the you know I wanted to put on my Instagram story today like can someone text me when when I can log into Instagram and not see a picture of that card again, because it's like every second person is posting that card. What are your thoughts on that card? The triple uh, LeBron logo man that was hit uh, by Backyard Breakers today. You know, I don't want to
1: spoil anyone's excitement right now, but it kind of shows the lack of knowledge that many um, new the, the new players of the hobby has is it's definitely a great card, you know, definitely a big card. Um, but to say that card is one of the most important to say that card is worth what it's posted it's to me that's kind of um they, they, they probably don't know what kind of card existed before that right so that's all i gotta
0: say you know it's still a big card for sure it's gonna bring big bucks but probably yeah, not it a million, million. right it, it's a cool card and the fact that you've got a game used logo man from three different teams that he played for i think that's pretty cool you have kind of got that career retrospective right there on one card i'll be honest i'll say it i don't love the looks of it it does aesthetically it doesn't do much for me i i I don't love the design of it but that's okay some cards can be extremely important and not look all that nice you know some some rookie cards come to mind when when you you know when you're thinking along those lines so Definitely a big card. Definitely the, the, the highlight of the week as far as, um, breaks go in the hobby. And I wonder if, if Drake is going to make a play at it or, or, or whoever owns that card now, are they going to sell it? I mean, is it going to be listed on golden or PWCC or, uh, or will someone just privately broker it to Drake himself? So any, any, uh, any speculation from you on where that card ends up? Well, that's a card.
1: That I definitely would not put in the auction right now. Um, They should just sell it privately if they could. Why do you say that? They should, you wouldn't put it in the auction. It's, well, because, you know, despite all the hype, um, you know, most of those hypes are people who are not going to buy that card, right? So there's only a handful of people who will have that kind of money to buy those kind of cards. And I'm pretty sure they're pretty knowledgeable about what they're buying. And in the open market, it's a dangerous thing.
0: It can be risky for sure you never know what that final how many people are going to be looking yeah. for that card so well interesting i figured we'd chat about that at some point tonight so there it is let's keep on going brendan ryan what are your predictions on kabooms that's an interesting question actually kabooms are kind <clears> of <throat> you know they're, they're a panini insert that have caught fire lately there's the gold version out of 10 which of course everyone loves gold and when a gold is out of 10 too it has that extra level of prestige Uh, Your thoughts on Kabooms. Do you think they, uh, I mean, for a while there, Dave, a lot of people were saying these are the next PMGs. What do you think?
1: They're not. They're definitely not from historical, you know, background or whatever. Uh, But it's definitely a beautiful set. And I'm actually happy that Panini produced a lot of these inserts that kind of brought the 90s insert craze back into the game. Um, But, you know, I just don't see them becoming those historical iconic sets
0: i've owned one in my day i had a a, a 2012 or whatever the first year was of them the the tom brady sold it too early that's one card i sold too early i think i bought it for 150 bucks it was a psa 10 i sold it in i sold it in june of 2020 for i think three or four hundred us dollars and now it's probably i don't know what it is now five to ten thousand bucks at the time i had it, it was a pop one now it's probably a pop two three four something like that but yeah, there's the card. I, I regret selling that card too early. I mean, the money went to something else that probably did okay. So it's what's yeah. I have that consolation. But still, I'd uh, probably like to have that card back. The problem, not the problem. One of the things that I don't like about the kabooms are the backs of the cards. I don't find the backs to be that attractive. And I mean, yeah. people might be saying, who cares what the back looks like? Well, hey, a back is still 50% of the real estate of the card. So you have to give it some attention. And I'm just not a big fan of the backs. But anyway, not important.
1: I, I kind of like the uh, the Color Blast series, the sets. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm not a super big fan of some of their player selection. There was kind of no logic
0: between the years, between the sets. It's just too confusing. That's a problem. Yeah, I, I can understand that. The whole set structure has become very confusing, especially with Panini and all, all the all the parallels yeah. that they have and the inserts and the parallels of inserts. Definitely, but I'm with you. The Color blasts are beautiful cards. I own one, I haven't taken delivery of it yet. It's in my PWCC vault, but I bought a Joe Montana with the, the black background versus the white. I think the whites are nicer, but maybe I'll pick yep. up one of those one day as well. All right, thanks for the question, Brendan, on Kabooms. Uh, Colin Murray says, I fill sets all day long for vintage collectors. Modern base, you just give away. Yeah, like modern base, you often just leave it at the LCS, right? Cause- uh, you don't what are you gonna unless you give it away at halloween that kind of thing which i'm a big fan of doing foul five balls one of the few set collectors Well, stick with it set collectors are part of the fabric of the hobby there's no doubt about that pepino man is late on here what did you guys determine was too early to sell cards before 8 a.m before 8 a.m 2017 pepino man there you there you go jeff hart says the psa set registry is still active and strong which is a great a great observation and something to point out because the PSA set, it's like a specialized set collecting though. It's almost a specialized, yeah. customizable set collecting angle. One that I, I was very active on. I've kind of just I don't really bother with it anymore because it yeah. kind of even though it's customizable when you're collecting a large set registry of say Hall of Famers, you're kind of forced to have to acquire a bunch of players that you maybe never heard of, even though they're you know like I'm talking about the bottom tier Hall of Famers themselves. Actually, I had um you know, a side story is
1: uh, I, in 2013, I helped um, David Hall, who was the founder of PCGS and PSA. Um, I helped them to launch their office for coin grading in China, in Shanghai. Oh. And I had a, I had a good opportunity to chat with him. i we became pretty good friends. I had a good opportunity to chat with him and looking at his sports car collection, which was the Monster T206 um, set. There's a couple of thousands of different bags. He's, he was collecting the whole thing. You know, I asked him about you know the rest registry, because I was kinda like you caught up with the registry and I kinda just gave up um in the end. Um but then and, and even the founder of, of PSA, he was being kidnapped by the registry himself. Really? <laughs> and then he gave up, you know, he, he starts selling his sets in the last two, three years
0: through HA. Yeah. Through heritage. Yeah. 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 All right, we'll go. Let's go through a few more comments here. Uh, Mike at East builds all the Bowman base sets each year. Almost complete run from '89 till now. Good job, Mike. Uh, Terry two-on Flames. That's some good news. What else we got here? T-Dos says Drake wants that card pretty bad. Well, yeah, I think we know he wants. He was busting cases of flawless to find it. Now that it's been unearthed, is he going to acquire it? That is the question. Brian says if you feel niche. If you feel the niche cards you are collecting are becoming a little routine, do you have any advice? That's a that's a really good question to a veteran experienced collector like yourself, Dave. What would you say to Brian or anyone else who's kind of feeling like they're, what they're collecting is a routine? They need to branch out, find something new to reinvigorate them in the hobby. What advice would you give?
1: Well, my advice would be um, if you still feel something for those cards, if you still like them, Despite the fact that everyone likes them now, um, just keep them. If you feel you know you don't like them anymore because it's not niche, just sell
0: them and go for some other niche cards. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. And actually, it's funny you asked that question, Brian J, because I'm on on after hours tonight, which I'm going to come on uh, in about an hour's time after we're done with uh, with with Dave here tonight. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna talk a bit about that on after hours because I went through a bit of a process last night. So. If you're if you're uh, going to be tuning in later, you'll you'll hear me talk a bit more about that then. Matt Jones says three people won that card, the LeBron triple logo man, so it'll be split somehow. So I see it going to market. Yeah, it could definitely be that way. Definitely key killer. Give me color blast any day. Web uh, Bill wants to know: Has Dave ever attempted to complete a modern day master set, a copy of every card on the product checklist
1: for
0: the '97?
1: Um, 98, 99 period, I did. Actually, I completed a couple sets like that. Um, if for the 1996 select Mira, Mira set for, for baseball, I don't know if you remember that one, the one with the Derek Jeter, uh, probably one of the most important. We haven't seen that Mira Gold coming out in a long time. Um, I completed the whole set of Mira Gold, Mira Blue, Mira Reds, and the Blue, Reds, and the Common Base. I completed the whole, whole master sets of that
0: did you do you still have any or did you sell it all i sold it sold i sold it all sold it all yeah. limp love stick says buy cards not boxes which i think is really good advice right there and uh nice uh nice name nice name right there too or buy boxes and don't open them or buy right that's some that's now that is a little bit it goes a little bit against the spirit of the hobby you know because
1: yeah
0: i couldn't admit- and do it
1: i, no. I don't any of the box i open them yeah
0: it depends some sometimes i, I keep a couple things sealed but very few maybe six yeah. boxes total but uh for hoard, hoarding on open hey it's an investment though it's a it's a true investment at that point and uh but it's keeping some cards in the dark that uh, collectors will not be able to get because they're trapped away in their original packaging which is what i mean when i say it's sort of yeah. against the spirit of the hobby uh jh says what is dave's opinion of panini as a card company as they will be out of the hobby within the next few years so first of all that's a big assumption to say they'll be out of the hobby in the next few years i do not think they will be out of the hobby i think they will find a way to stay in it but dave uh why don't you answer what is your opinion of panini and you know as a company as, as the cards they're producing overall generally speaking i guess um i wasn't a big fan of um of the Doris
1: and those kind of brands at that time. I think they overkilled with all the parallels back in the days, um, you know, in a single product they probably have 50 to a hundred one of ones of each single players. So when that brand became the modern day Panini um, I wasn't thrilled at all in the beginning but I think they, um, throughout the years they gradually, gradually they understood the hobby more and more and they've done some pretty good stuff they really um, have, so have really uh, opinions on that company at the beginning. I mean, not, no, not a big
0: yeah. And, and you know they've been, a, they've been around making North American sports cards now for 15 years or so, and they've actually like, not, they have some brands that have real equity in our hobby that are, that are cherished yeah. and valued. And so they've done a good job with, with some of the stuff and you know, some of the stuff is maybe too much or too many parallels, but that's just my opinion. Maybe other people's opinion. Some people love that stuff. That's why, that's why it gets there in the first place, because people wanted more and more options of cards to collect to their players. And so the card companies delivered, but maybe they over delivered. And now people want them to scale back. It's a, it's a constant battle, a constant balancing act that they have to play to try and keep everyone happy, which we know is just impossible. Definitely impossible. All right. Can we talk a bit more, uh, Dave, about some of the specific cards that you bought and sold and maybe some numbers that go with them? I know you had gone through your your old PWCC accounting and maybe yep. saw some. I know you have some stuff ready to go. So what do you want to share?
1: Let's go to the highlight of the show. So, um, um, okay, here's a picture I found, which um, in 1998, i um, sorry, I couldn't. This is 1998. I was actually in the Hong Kong in the newspaper where um, me and my partner, who also um, um, came from Canada, we opened a car shop. So here's a proof that actually um, 1998. So, um, yeah, no. um, Okay, some of the stuff, I actually had it, all the numbers and stuff I was checking through. Uh, Let me give some examples, okay? Um, I actually sold the essential credential team, Duncan Rookie, out of 75, um, a BGS9. Um, that card, I don't know. It's twenty thousand, ten thousand, something like that, right? Today, I sold it. For, yeah, probably. I don't know. Maybe last. I don't know. Um, it's a rookie card, so I sold it for six hundred dollar, um, and plus the thirteen point five percent fees. Hmm.
0: I would so, think it's worth more than twenty thousand right now. That's my gut feel. I'm not one hundred percent certain. Yeah. Someone maybe want to let us know, but I, I could see that being a, a bigger card than even twenty k. So when did you yeah. sell that for $600? What year was that?
1: It was um, 2014, 15, the whole batch. I just sent PWCC 200 cards, and they just sold it in one run. Um, here's another card. Uh, that This is a big card now, if it were to be sold again. It's um, 2004 uh, Limited Logo, the exquisite Limited Logo Michael Jordan, with um, three-color uh, patch. Uh, it's BJS um, it's, 9, uh, and I sold it for $5,000. Um, that's probably, uh, over definitely over a hundred thousand dollars now. Right. I, I don't check the market that much. So.
0: I think, I think it is. I mean, listen, I, yeah. I, I, watch a lot, I watch PWCC's premier auctions every month and, uh, they have the odd Michael Jordan limited logos in there. And I do believe they, they break a hundred thousand yeah. dollars each time pretty easily, especially if it's an O three, but that wasn't an O three. I think you said it was an O four, right? It was an O four, but it was the one that
1: people liked. A lot more because it's a beautiful silver background and the player selection was awesome um so yeah no here's another one um i sold the uh this is a big one that i just see selling constantly for over a hundred thousand dollars now so a uh, ud3 micro jordan autograph um you know the one the horizontal ticket you know yeah, you've probably yeah. seen it yep. yeah yeah i sold that cool. card yes i that's 2013 12 13 or something like that yeah that car I sold for
0: $3,000. And now it breaks 100 grand every time it comes it's up. definitely
1: over 100 grand. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, there's a lot more. Okay. Here's a good one. For um, the red Michael Jordan PMG mm. in that's PSA my, eight.
0: That's my 8. 5. card. Yeah. Say again?
1: PSA 8.5. Uh, no, no, in BGS 8.5. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I sold that car for ten thousand dollars.
0: Oh boy. What yeah. would that get now? Yeah. I don't know,
1: two hundred or
0: more. Yeah. I don't know. I would think. I would think in that in that two, two to three range, somewhere like that, which is pretty crazy considering the green did three fifty in twenty nineteen. Now we think that'd be, you know, yeah. two million plus for sure. Maybe three mil, maybe four million, who knows? So the red, yeah. I remember I remember at the National 2019, there was a red PMG on someone's table. He was asking $100,000 for it. I thought, oh my gosh, that's nuts. hundred grand, you know. i would love to buy yeah. it, but it's $100,000. I, I can't. Boy, I wish I, I wish I could have at the time because now it's going to cost three times that to get one.
1: Yeah. Oh, here's another good one. Um, a 1996 Essential Credential Kobe Bryant, um, the rookie one the, with the silver parallel version, um, 8.5 bgs I sold it for $800.
0: Oh. Wow. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. The 3 flare of the 1996 legacy collection Michael Jordan out of 150 the first legacy I sold the whole set in bgs 9 for less than $3,000. The whole set. Not the whole set, I mean the, the whole the 3 Michael Jordan card oh. set.
0: Wow. Well. Still the three MJs for three thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So this
1: these are some examples, you know. Um for mirror golds. I, I saw some of the prices that I sold for mirror golds. The Derek Jeter nineteen ninety-seven pinnacle mirror golds out of thirty PSA eight. I sold it for sixty-nine dollars. Sixty nine dollars. Yep. What do you and think there's an extra today? there's an extra six dollars plus ten percent um Plus 10% um, (laughs) fee. So I got like less than 60.
0: That car, I don't know. You you got a nice lunch for it. It,
1: Yeah. So there are just thousands of records like this, you know, that I saw last night.
0: Um, Okay. So when you saw those last night, how how did you feel? Like, were you okay or, you know, you're okay or were you, did it get to you a little bit?
1: No, I'm used to, I think I'm, um, I'm, At peace with it now. Yeah. You know, I I just don't think about it anymore. Um, What could, what if, you know, um, I think the $3 million that invested in that restaurant chain hurts more.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) I regret Uh, that.
1: I regret that more than the cards. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I mean, so that, you know, um, um, I sold the Jordan that, okay, I was one of the very few people who had the big, the three big Jordans. You no, know, that would be the, the 1997 um, uh, um, uh, Upper Deck Autograph jersey, the first one. That's selling for two, three million now. Um, the PMG green, and also the, uh, the essential credential, the green one out of nine. So I was one of the very few who had all of them. Um, and I sold the green essential credential for $40,000. And PWCC used that card for many years um, as an advertisement, I remember. And then um, the '97 upper deck autograph was the one that I, I wasn't too happy with. PWCC, it kind of ran into the same problem that the Kobe PM, I mean the Jordan PMG green went through. Uh, a lot of my friends was trying to bid on that car on eBay, but PWCC never announced that you need a pre-approved or kind of limit thing. So the auction stopped at ninety ninety nine thousand dollars. A lot Where of people you- were looking. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people were going to bid up to two hundred to 300000 hundred thousand even at that time. So, um, um, so knew, no one knew about it. So, I wasn't happy with uh, Brent at that time for that card.
0: Well, I hear you, but yeah, you, you might have had one other one extra restaurant location that just might not have uh, made it right with that extra yeah, couple hundred grand. So definitely, yeah. I, I, under, I can certainly understand being upset at the time, but now that you have everything in hindsight, you know what happened might be easier for you to to let that one go i would i would yeah. think troy troy ouch these sales are hurting did he at least charge shipping on these uh yeah henry says you got to move on but you have moved on that's the best part about yeah. this is that you're you're no we talked you're not dwelling on it so you're spending time talking about it tonight and this video will live on but hopefully after this you're you're able to uh to just move forward jordan right here
1: just here are two cards that i sold even last year the one I mentioned about the Kobe Green, and another card kind of hurts too. So uh, wait. So this is a photo I took before I sent them off. So it's the Kobe Green and also the the Tom Brady ticket con- contender um, out of a hundred, which I sold it for. I exchanged for some cards, um, and and with some cash um, for the valuation of about a hundred and eighty thousand dollars last year. It's a eight point five.
0: Yeah, you sold it for one hundred and eighty thousand last year, and now that card routinely sells for about a million dollars, and it's gone yeah. for more. Yeah, it's the highs was like
1: like two. The highs was two, I think. So yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So like you know, I'm looking at these cards that you did that you're showing the cards you're talking about. the Jordan essential the credentials, the the green one. That's a dream card for sure. You know, as a collector, you know, I would. If I were you, I would be, you know, I, I'm not you. So it doesn't, it's probably a moot point, but like I'd be looking back. I'd be thinking about two things, the money, because you know, you kind of have to, it's a lot of money that that is kind of left on the table, but I'd also be looking and thinking like, what if I want these back? Like what if the collector in me would like to have them back and wish I didn't sell them. And I'd be pretty upset with myself for letting them go in the first place, because never mind. I left that money on the table, but now to get them back, it's impossible because no one's going to give them up. But also if they did, it's extremely more expensive now to get them back. Do you ever yeah. feel that way as a collector that you would love to have those cards back? Or have you just moved on to collecting other things?
1: Um, I've only bought one particular cards back that I sold, which was, um, well, actually uh, uh, two or three Kobe's that, that uh, I bought I bought a PSA 9 tops Chrome Rookie of Kobe for even last year at the height for $80-something thousand. That car has probably gone 30 to 40 now, um, but you know, I just had to have a Kobe uh, Rookie in my in my collection again. Um, but I sold a copy for $800, a refractor, right? So I I paid $80,000 to buy one back and I sold one for $800 back in the days, right? But that, but that's that's one of the few that I would buy back. Um, so right now, I'm just moved on to mostly hockey now.
0: Mostly hockey now—that's cool. That that's gonna yeah. score points with me at least as a, as a you know a hockey collector yeah. myself. You know, you Spinatron, who's a, a well-known collector, he's got a great collection, and he's act very active on Instagram. He posted today when I shared that you were coming on. He shared it and he mentioned that that he was basically very grateful to you for helping him fill out his essential credentials set. Do you, do you take any pride in knowing that you help these guys help Spinatron and others build their collections and that without you, they wouldn't have been able to do that. Is there, is there some form of gratification through that for you?
1: That's probably the most, um, you know, proud aspects right now for me. Um, I think that's the lasting relationship that I've made over the years. Like you said, you know, I've been pretty low key for, for the last many years, but the people who knows me knows me, you know, the big Wills and, you know, guys like Nat, you know, Spinatron and those big timer, they know me. So, so, and also, you know, this is a good transition to our next topic, which would be the cards that I'm buying now. Right. I've, you know, since COVID and since um, Instagram, I've made a lot of good friends on, on Instagram in the hockey market, in the hockey circle. Um, so, so this is the pride that I have nowadays is to, are these
0: connections that I have with people, including with you now, you know? So, for Sure. Let me ask this. Like you obviously started with basketball, as we discussed earlier, you started with basketball, you started with Kobe, Jordan Riker, just put in here, why Kobe? And I think you addressed that at the beginning of the show, because you saw, you know, you were sort of introduced to the, to Cards through Kobe winning the slam dunk contest in 96, 97, whichever year that was that got you into the, into, into collecting. So, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, that, that's, uh, that's interesting stuff. And that's why you end up getting that card Why you, you went back now and purchased the Kobe card. Sorry, I forget where I was going with that earlier, but yeah. you are now doing a lot of hockey stuff and oh, where I was going was why, why do you think you went from basketball like back in the 90s you were all basketball now you're hockey why did you go from basketball to hockey or why are you not still collecting basketball is it because of the cards that you used to have that you no longer own is it because basketball is just much more expensive to collect than hockey or is it because you're just a hockey fan
1: oh i think all of the above Um, plus plus you know the um plus i guess it's like it's more niche back in the days basketball was niche now, you know, hockey is the niche, but um, maybe that's
0: another reason why. Yeah, I, that, that makes sense. You know, I, it, it certainly is, is a niche within, within the, the greater sports card hobby right now. And, uh, I, I mentioned earlier, I've seen some, I know, I think it's, um, coffee and cards are opening up a store in New York and they're also, I believe opening up a store in Las Vegas. And I saw them uh, do a little promo for it, and they were doing a tour in the store, and they mentioned every sport except hockey. It was Dan Fleischman did it on his Instagram, mentioned every sport except for hockey. And you're you're in an original six city in New York. You got the New York Rangers and the Stanley Cup playoffs, and you don't even mention hockey. There are hockey yeah. fans there. There are hockey collectors there, and they're not yeah. even aware that hockey exists. At Coffee Coffee Cards, Coffee Break. Well, I'm not sure I'm not sure the technical name of the store. Coffee and Cards, I think. They're not even acknowledging hockey there. And then in Las Vegas, the same thing happened. I saw someone talk about a store in Las Vegas and they mentioned F1 and they mentioned Marvel. They mentioned soccer, of course, basketball, football, baseball. They don't even mention hockey. And there's a hockey team in Las Vegas that every Canadian, when they go to Vegas and millions of us go every year, they like to go see hockey games (laughs) in Vegas and they will go to the card shops there. But you better mention hockey if you want us to come to your card shops in las <laughs> vegas uh, otherwise yeah. let's not go there canadians let's wait till they acknowledge hockey and then yeah. let's go uh you know go to their shops and and patronize their businesses there uh but uh, we, we got to get them to acknowledge hockey especially in hockey towns down there so yeah. anyway i i digress uh let's go to this question here before we look at what you're collecting more of now dave Dot jones says what's your assessment of the health of the hobby today it's
1: going great. It's going great. Um, I have nothing against, you know, the whole investment aspect, you know, um, you know, now there's a huge debate between true collectors and, and, and the people who are in it for investment. Um, You know, this is the evolution of the hobby. So um, I have nothing against it, you know, but I just hope more people will eventually
0: get into the collecting aspect as well. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Uh, it's a, it's a lot, it's a lot of the hobbies dollar driven right now. I mean, from top to bottom, a lot of it is dollar driven, but, uh, there are, there are still collectors out there. I think, I think we, I think we, and when I say we, I mean, people who are spending a lot of time consuming hobby content, whether it's social media, YouTube podcasts, a lot of the focus is on the money cards. Even right now, we're talking about money here with you. We're talking about money left on the table prices, cards are bought and sold for. A lot of it is is money centric when, when we talk hobby, but, and that, that it's not really fair to the, to the collectors and to the collecting and to the, and when I say that we have to understand that you're not either a collector or an investor in this hobby. Maybe some people are only collector yep. and some people are only investor, but I think they are vastly outnumbered by the people who fall somewhere in between yep. those two endpoints. And uh, you know, you can be a, you can be both. It just depends what your split is how we different how we're all differentiated from each other but um i think i think you know a lot of new people have come into the hobby dave over the last couple years and those people who came in maybe because they saw dollar signs, some of them maybe did have a bit of a collector gene in them that was awoken by them coming in for dollars and hopefully those are the ones that stick around and actually collect along with investing because it's hard to separate the two of them right now when you are deploying capital that is a, in a significant a significant amount to your to you. Yeah, makes sense, yeah. yeah. T. Jones wants to know what hockey are you buying? Why don't we talk a bit about what you're uh, what you're doing nowadays, what you have? Let's get into it. Um
1: maybe we should start with the uh, okay, well, no, we'll keep the uh, big one later. I'll show some of the cards that I've bought in the last couple of years. Uh, I'll go with the McDavid first.
0: Connor um, McDavid, is- the Edmonton Oilers. Let me just let me just preface this for any yep. of the non-hockey people watching. Connor McDavid, if you haven't heard of him by now, well, you should have. But he is the best player in the world, bar none, in my opinion, and is really the the main guy in the hobby. He's the uh, he's the LeBron James of the hobby, or the or the Kobe Bryant, however you want to put it. But he's the number one guy in the hockey world right now.
1: Yeah, he's going to get 150 points sooner one or later. Year. Yeah, yeah. So this is a big card. Um, so this is uh, his exquisite that came out of his um, the, upper, uh, the, the the cup set. So it's a uh, dual ten, um, McDavid exquisite rookie. So this is a big one. Um, I've actually recently picked up this one. So his true RPA. Oh, um uh, Yes,
0: and the patch is okay, and it's uh, nine point five. Yeah. So that's, that is from the cup. It's a, it's a, it's a rookie patch auto out of 99. It's a three color. I can tell you and everybody else that of the 99 copies, I think 96 of them are three color. So, uh, you know, it's not as special as in some players from past years, but still an amazing card. Now you said it's a true RPA. I have to say the exquisite to me is also a true RPA. You know, yeah. it, 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 to me, hundred percent rookie card RPA, even though there's not 99 or more of them. Uh, yeah. and a, and it's a beautiful card. I I think oh, it's that, nice, that's in, a it's nice in the cup. What do you which oh, one true. do you prefer aesthetically, Dave? Oh the exquisite for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely the exquisite. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So um this is another Crosby. You've seen this card before. The Crosby Rookie oh, cool. limited logo, BGS9. Yeah. So yeah. I got this card.
0: Yeah. That's, it's uh, a beautiful package for this card. Is that numbered out of 50? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So the limited condition- logos limited logos came out in the cup. Cup's first year. That's the inaugural year of the cup, which is which is the yeah. hockey equivalent of Exquisite by Upper Deck. And limited logos, which we know from Exquisite basketball, carried over into hockey with the cup. And they're always out of 50, but sometimes they're short printed. So they're not always out of 50, but that's the that's the basic yeah. quality. And then uh, you have several times where they're limited to, we've seen as well as 5, 10, 25 for different players. And this card was so condition sensitive. You just don't see conditions like
1: that. Yeah, definitely. True, and um, yes, and also, well, I have a pair. I also got the Ovechkin of the same card
0: with a great oh, match. Look- Look at that. So a rookie year Ovechkin limited logos, which are rid- with a ridiculous patch. Yeah. So let's let's guess. Let's speculate on the value of the Crosby and the Ovechkin limited logos today. And listen, I've been buying and selling hockey cards for a long time. And I've been through a couple of each of those. And I don't know that I ever bought or sold one for over a $1,000 because I'm talking, you know, in the late 2000s when I was doing yeah. that. Uh, what do you think those cards are worth today? I wouldn't guess
1: because i don't um because like you know i've seen a couple of many of your episode pre- pretty much all of your episode i totally agree with what when you say you have to overpay and i overpaid for all of those cards i just showed yeah <laughs> see that's one thing about collecting hockey people
0: just love their hockey cards they don't let them go cheap <laughs> true let me let me ask you this and okay so first of all we talk about overpaying i think i I kind of, I bought a, I bought a card today. I teased about it on my Instagram today and my story. I videotaped myself going to buy the card and coming home and I'll show it. I'll show it later, but I, I overpaid for the card. There's no, no, today I will, will I, if, and when I sell it, will I sell it for more than I paid? Yes, I think I will. But today I feel like overpaid, but I had to get the card. And it's a very limited art. So I completely, completely understand uh, what you mean by that. It. uh, you, you just have to do it sometimes. Right now, what yeah. I want to talk to you about also is you mentioned hockey cards. People don't want to let them go. They love their hockey cards. And, you know, I want to get your thoughts on this because this is my, my theory is that as far as the the foundation of the hobby, the sustainability of the hobby, the health of the hobby. I think that baseball has the has the the, the deepest and broadest foundation of collectors so that baseball cards will always do fine but after yeah. baseball as far as the like the loyalty and the, the the level of commitment by the collectors and and the investors at that at that point i think hockey is going to be second i think you're going yeah. to have a very loyal very strong very stubborn collector base of hockey that will i'm talking they'll be more stubborn they'll be more loyal than the basketball market and the football market. What do what you not my personal thoughts? People can disagree with me. That's fair. But I want to know, Dave, what you think about that? I would actually put hockey um, number one,
1: not baseball. Um, okay. Because hockey collectors are the hardest to deal with in terms of uh, letting go of their cards for baseball. Um, maybe the, some of the vintage stuff, but, you know, it has to be the top notch vintage cards that people are just not letting go, um, you know, the, the PSA 10's mantle and those kind of cards. Um, but for hockey, even some simple cards, some cards that's not worth thousands of dollars, it's it, sometimes it's so hard to buy it off of someone. You know, so to me, hockey has always been number one in terms of this attachment from the collector.
0: Right. Yeah, makes sense. Here, I want to go to a couple of comments that came in on this. Uh T Dodd agrees. Hockey collectors are, are number two in terms of, I think, just the strength of the foundation. Bobby Burrell says baseball number one in the US and hockey number one in Canada. Yeah, that goes. I mean, I agree with that, Bobby. And that goes without saying, right? We all, I think we all know yeah. that, but let's combine. Let's combine the countries. Let's talk about the hobby generally in North America. And I still think baseball number one in, in as far as what we're talking about in hockey. a a firm number two again in terms of just that that stubbornness and and the the dedication and the loyalty of the collector base uh henry makes a comment right here he says basketball equals flipper now that's not going to be a hundred percent of the time but you're gonna have i think you have way more flippers in basketball than you do in in any other sport you know soccer might be number two when it comes to the amount of flipping going on or the amount of Let's call it non-dedicated hobbyists—people who aren't really that attached to the cards. Like, Dave, if, if you know me, I, I get very attached to my cards. You know, especially not not all of them, some more than others, but I get very attached to my cards. So, I, I want to call out here, uh, Mr. Davey, three seven eight four. He says uh, that came from me—the Crosby Limited logos. Uh, he's he's saying that he sold that card to you. Do you know who? Do you know Dave?
1: I do. I do. Thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, Dave's been a friend of mine for, I don't know, Dave, probably, uh, well, we go back close to 20 years now, 15 at least in the hobby. And um, yeah, we had dinner together at the National in 2019, along with Anthony. Nice time. Nice time. Um, question for you, Dave, from T. Once Are you buying any vintage hockey? You seem very modern driven. I do. I do. I buy a lot of vintage hockey, actually. Um, I asked you the first time
1: we communicated, it was me asking you for some advice on A Grasky OPG, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. um, Here is another card I just picked up. Um, Wait, let me see. It's a pretty great uh, copy of this card. Um, So for vintage hockey, I don't buy into the grades anymore. I buy the nicest, cleanest copy that I can find um, that fits into my personal collection.
0: I love that. I love yeah. that. Buy the card, not the grade. That actually—that's a great little segue here into Daniel Busby's question. He says, "Does Dave prefer BGS or PSA for his cards?" I don't really care, actually, um,
1: um, unless you know I need to sell the card or something. But for my own collection, whatever the holder looks better with the card.
0: Whatever holder um, looks better. Interesting. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that justin vick says okay y'all convinced me hockey 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 love it that's what we're trying to do here is convince you i'm trying to influence you all to buy more hockey but as someone mentioned before and i lost the comment i'm sorry he said hey enough of the hockey the less people that know the better that means the rest of us who have been in this for you know we, we have more options more more accessibility so we're you know, all, all in good fun though uh, Troy says, so true about hockey. I have a very hard time selling any of my hockey stuff and any Eiserman or Gretzky cards. No way am I selling. Yeah, it's uh, I, I, I hear that for sure, for yeah. sure. Colin Murray, who deals in vintage very extensively, says uh, vintage hockey is so undervalued. That's why they are tough to let go of. Some are not replaceable. I want you to respond to this comment, please, Dave.
1: Yeah, the reason why I'm not sharing so many vintage hockey because that's a secret that I don't want people to know right <laughs> now, for the 150 people with no, us it's, tonight. it's, it's 100%, 100%, um, um, undervalued, probably the most undervalued section of the hobby. I mean, sector so, of the, hobby, so.
0: So undervalued is a term that I always struggle with. I, I prefer the term underappreciated because the value is what it is, right? If we're in an efficient market, which for the most part we are, I know there's nuances for sure but you know if a card sells on the open market at auction for a thousand dollars it's hard to argue that on that day at that time that's not what that card was worth so i like the term underappreciated i don't we don't need to get too specific here but but why do you think why do you think it is is it is it lack of marketing by the nhl is it because espn hasn't carried hockey for you know that often over the past 30, 40 years. Um, why do you think hockey and, you know, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm flipping between basketball and hockey every night right now. And I'll, I'll just say it like hockey's way more exciting to watch. Basketball's for sure. not lot exciting. Like some, some parts of it, very exciting, but for the most part, what the guy, what these guys do on skates is way more impressive than what the guys do with the basketball. Again, I'm biased. I'm a Canadian. I'm a hockey fan. Yeah. I'm a basketball fan too, but those are my thoughts. Why do you think, Hockey is underappreciated.
1: My theory has always been, you know, we the, the league and the marketing people have not found a way to get across modern-day hockey to, um, to the fans. Um, you know, I mean, you know, for Canadians, uh, we grew up with, you know, hockey night in Canada and things like that. You know, it's, it's, it's more of a festival and family union um, thing. And for baseball, you know, people have been marketing you know, the statistics side of baseball for all these years, you know, for basketball, it's all about the playoffs, the final quarter, you know, but for hockey, I just haven't seen any marketing tools or um, strategies being used that kind of fits the modern day, um, you know, fans. No, for example, what I mentioned earlier with the Olympics, right? Um, This is the best opportunities to showcase world class hockey players in the world
0: we just don't push for it. Yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You're right about that. I mean, when the dream team went and played in the Olympics, uh where was that? Was that in in China? Barcelona. It was Bar- Barcelona. The in Barcelona. Yeah. I mean, that changed the that changed the perception of basketball across the world really, especially internationally, and they have not looked back. They've also had star power the whole way through. You know, you go Jordan, you go Kobe, you go LeBron, you go Steph Curry, you go Giannis. Like there's been Luka now, like there's just star jaw. It's full of stars always, which definitely helps. You know, in hockey, you had you had Mario Lemieux come in in 85. You had Eric Lindros in 1990. Then you had almost nobody until Sidney Crosby came along in 05.
1: And then 10 more
0: years for 10 more years for Connor McDavid.
1: Yeah, I mean now is the best opportunity with all these young players. Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, Cal McCarr, you know, Nathan McCannon. It's the best opportunities to promote the sports. I mean, Crosby would not be Crosby, even if he won also three championships. He became Crosby because of the golden goal.
0: Yeah. That's right? his goat moment, as Carvin Chung likes to say, that's his GOAT moment. That exactly. Carvin was at that game. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so sure. I, I think that's that's the that's the thing. Well, T Dot says I think it's tied to national pastimes. I, I think for sure, but again, I'm trying to look more macro than just splitting yeah. Canada for hockey and the U.S. Yeah. for baseball, basketball, football. Vintage card collector says one reason basketball has less loyalty is there are more limited options for great vintage. That's a great point right there. I mean, yeah, what you had you had the forty eight Bowman's, you had the fifty seven Tops, the sixty one Fleers. And then not a lot of action until 1980 tops again. I mean, there was stuff in between there with Kareem's rookie and Dr. J, but really, it wasn't until '86 yeah, career came out. There were some
1: really rare oddball sets, you know, or like like the tops test sets that no one knows about, but so rare. Um, it has some great players too. Um, yeah, I agree and disagree with that that opinions a little
0: bit. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, no, that, that's fair. Speaking yeah. of that Top's test set, I just saw today, I forget who's selling it, but there's a PSA, I think it's an 8, it might be a 6. Maybe it's a PSA 6, Wilt Chamberlain from the Tops yeah. test set. And that's a very high grade for that card. It's so rare, yeah. Very I tried to buy that set.
1: Um, I mean, like collecting cards by cards uh, 20 years ago, couldn't do it. You just can't find it
0: no you can't no. what platform do you know what platform is selling the one i saw today it's either pwcc or Golden. i don't, I don't remember yeah no i haven't checked i haven't yeah. checked yeah. i just saw it today so that's a that's a big card out there for sure for sure a couple more comments on this though let's see bob's big boy says hockey collectors follow the sport religiously while many card flippers follow sports casually and just follow market trends religiously big difference yeah that makes a lot of sense right there what's up baseball card curmudgeon good to see you Bobby Burrell says the hobby in general, hard call vintage versus modern is a tough separator for number one hobby status. Vintage is baseball. Modern is basketball is my feeling. Yeah, that, you're right, Bob. I mean, I agree with that. It is it, when you when you cut it, when you slice it that way, it is tougher to, to maybe hone in on. But with some more thought into it, I'm sure we could have a, a great discussion uh, on that and further further that. Charles uh, Sprewell says, to you, uh, Dave, do you prefer your PMG reds and greens? Sorry, did you prefer reds or greens when you collected them ungraded? Um, as a whole set, I
1: actually prefer the reds. Um, they do appeal more appealing to me personally. Um, but, you know, you get the green, um,
0: the, the glow around the green. So, Yeah. Yeah. I own one. I have a red PMG from 97. I have a Shaquille O'Neal and I've never owned a green. I've seen them, but listen, I'm taking nothing away from the greens. They're really cool too, but I love, I love the red. I love the one I have.
1: It's actually precious metal
0: to me, the red. <laughs> right. Yeah. What do you mean by that? I mean the gems, the red just looks so much more jam, Gemmy. Yeah. There's a word. More yeah. gemmy. more gemmy. Which was something was really cool at the national last year um, at one of the, at one of the events uh, in the evening, Jean McLeod was there who designed those, those are her brainchild. And she was wearing her wedding ring or her engagement ring and it's got an emerald in it. It's her birthstone. And, and yeah. so it was very cool for me to see the ring that inspired these sets. Like the, the to Crazy. me, that yeah. ring, her ring, Jean, if you are watching your wedding or engagement ring is a, is a hobby. Artifact that needs to be—it just needs to end up in a museum somewhere as the ring that that inspired the PMGs and really set off the, this whole insert uh, craze that we've yeah. been going through for for several uh, decades now. So I think that's uh, pretty pretty cool stuff right there. A couple more comments here, Dave, and then we'll uh, we'll we'll see if you have more cards that you want to show at all, yeah. perhaps. Josh says popularity generally goes in order of ability to play the game. Soccer is number one because of the access to a soccer ball basketball. Number two, again, all you need is a ball and some baskets, whereas hockey, it is very expensive to play and you need tons of equipment. So that's a great point to bring out there, Josh. Thanks for, for raising that. Um, anything else, uh, Dave, that you want to talk about, or again, cards you want to show. Yeah, I'll show more cards. I'll show more cards. Um, so here's a pair
1: of um, very important Crosby rookie, the RPAs. So here's a 9.5 for Crosby RPA. Um, I Actually, at one point, I have a couple copies of this card, but now I just have this one and also the one PS, uh, the, uh, PSA 9, the top graded PSA version. That one I pulled it myself back in the days. So um, also paired with this card is a gold version, 9.53 color. This card, I mean, this Crosby is actually – Pretty rare in three colors, unlike the McDavid.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good point. It is. You're right. There's a m- much less or way fewer three color Crosby RPAs than there are McDavid's, and uh, yeah. we know that now. We we, yeah. we have evidence. Yeah.
1: The well, hockey here's
0: the evidence. part. As we're talking about PMG,
1: this is the first hockey PMG um, green. You know, in night in,
0: in 2012. The yeah. So. so We've seen two of those sell in the last year or so. I was covering them live on doing, covering PWCC's eBay auctions last March, one sold. And in the last couple of seconds, it jumped from like six or 7,000 or even yeah. less $4,000 to $19,000. I yeah. know you didn't buy that card cause I know mm-hmm. who did. And then another one sold, I forget what the grade was uh, a couple yeah, months one. later, that one for like what, yeah. 14 or 15,000, something like that. It's sixteen thousand, I remember. Yeah. sixteen. So that yeah. was you. So we now know who bought both of those cards. At least I know. Yeah. So uh, it's
1: a it's a PSA six, but I didn't I don't care about the grade much.
0: Um, I have one of those too, Dave. I have one of those green cards. Yeah. I right? know. No, I had it graded. It came back authentic. So, but I don't care. Like, yeah, I, I, don't, I mean,
1: talking about not caring about the grade, I did spend a lot of money on this card, but you know. It's a BGS Go label. yeah um, I mean I don't usually like to buy integrates as I've mentioned a couple of times but yeah Or Crosby uh, you know and, and and actually this car looks really good in a black label so I just I just, I just got it. <laughs> yeah I just had to had to buy it. Uh, oh I, I do have a McKinnon. I mean I mean uh, McDavid.
0: so let me ask you this would you prefer owning those cards that you already own? Or would you rather have like an exclusives, which is a parallel out of a hundred or, well, at least for the McDavid or a high gloss out of 10 for the McDavid yeah. and the Crosby? Because there were no exclusives in 0506 for Crosby. Yeah. Uh, what would you prefer? A black label BGS 10 for the, for the basic young guns or a lower grade, lower print run card?
1: Um, they're all important to me. I mean, like, you know, I never chase for the black. Label or any high grades. I don't even chase PSA 10s. Um, I just thought this is a rare card, you know, um, and I just like the, the appeal and the look of it in the, the holder. So, you know, that was the only reason why I bought it. You, you know, know, I have PSA 10s, I have PSA 9s, I have a lot of copies of the Crosby Young Guns because this is so much rarer than modern day Young Guns, right? I'm mean, not so much rare, but it's definitely not printed as much.
0: Yeah, yeah, the Crosby for sure. The McDavid, not too sure about that. But yeah. yeah. But the Crosby definitely. So, I want to
1: oh sorry. One last big card I, I would like to show um is this one, Revelation. Um this is probably the most important card in my collection now.
0: The Crosby yeah. Rookie Ultimate Shield.
1: Rookie Ultimate Shield. And um, um, you know, thanks to Karn, you know, big three hockey. You know, he's, um, when I got back into collecting big time hockey, um, you know, he was the, the, the person that I dealt with most, you know? Um, so yeah. So, so we're, we're very good friends now.
0: Yeah. yeah he's, he's a, he's a hell of a guy, Karn. I'm a big fan of his. And, yeah. uh, he's, uh, he's, a, he's great at, at just moving, finding the right home for certain cards. And of course he yeah. loves his, loves to keep several for himself too. So. Sorry.
1: Sorry. Um, so here's the second-year Crosby Shield. And um, there there are a total of, I think, eight or nine Ultimate shield, And um, I do have six of them.
0: Okay, so you like your Crosby Shields. Let me, here's a question, Dave. I have to ask you this because this yeah. has been coming up more and more lately. With Ovechkin, you know assaulting Gretzky's rookie or sorry Gretzky's all-time goals record. You know, he's only uh, what is it 120 goals, 140 away, something yeah. like that. He's he's within striking distance now. The hobby, you know, if you go back to 2005, which you can do this in your mind as can I, we know that Crosby was always worth more than Ovechkin. And then for yeah. a couple of years when Crosby yeah. was hurt, Ovechkin started beating out Crosby in terms of values. And then Crosby took over again and was leading the pack. But now for the past, I don't know what a couple of years, Ovechkin has way surpassed Crosby in terms of the value of cards. Then we're talking, you know, when you're matching up the same card of each player, I'm, I believe that no matter whether or not Ovechkin beats Gretzky's record or not, when you look out 10 years past their retirement, I still think Crosby's career will be looked at as the better overall body of work. I think Crosby will be More collectible than Ovechkin will be ten years after their retirement. Right now, it's all about, just like in basketball, it's all about what did they do last night. That's all. That's that's not all, but it's a lot about what people care about right right now when they're making their purchasing decisions. What do you think? When when we look back ten years from now or ten years in their retirement, who's going to be more valuable and collectible? Collect um, more widely collected. Um. I think the Ovechkin
1: craze um, in price rocketing was due to the fact that it's not just Canadians who's buying them now, you know, because of the chase. Um, A lot of Americans um, are starting to buy, you know, hockey cards and they buy, you know, Ovechkin and McDavid and Gretzky for sure. But over the long term, I definitely, I agree with you. I think Crosby will have a better overall career, you know, with his championships and he might still have chances, who knows. Um and that's a but the that's the thing about the types of play they have. To me, Crosby is plays a beautiful game. You know, it's a beautiful game. It's you know, if you watch his last three games, you know, you just know um uh, his passes, you know, his his smartness, you know, but that doesn't translate into excitements to a lot of people, right? Um but over in the long term, you know, people will look at from the overall perspective, you know, at one point before Crosby got all his concussions, you know, he, he got 120 points in his second year. And um, that was the time when hockey, when the scoring was all down at that time, right? I mean, without the concussion, he would be with his rate, he would be over 1600 points. Now, he has a very good chance to break 2000 points as a second player to ever get 2000 points in hockey, right? But yeah. you know, he might end up. You know, if he retires by the time three years later, by the time his current contract ends, he might get you know, sixteen hundred points. That's barely. That's just barely breaking the top ten, I think. But um, but still, he plays a beautiful game. Like my favorite player. Let me put an analogy. My favorite player in soccer is not Messi nor Ronaldo, right? It's Zidane. You know, but for people who love Zidane, they think he's the best player ever. Because he plays that beautiful, beautiful game. His movement, right. his passes. So to me, Crosby is like Zinedine and Zidane.
0: Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good analogy right there. The beautiful game. The beautiful game analogy for sure. Okay, I'm going to go. There's a whole bunch of comments that I've marked here I want to get to. T-Dot said, uh, do you think PMGs are a fad that will fade into nothingness? No, it's history.
1: It's probably one of the most important modern sets ever i'm with you on that yeah
0: yeah i i am too i, I think it's the opposite i think they're just going to continue to gain more and more status as they become more and more vintage as they get as they age definitely thanks for the update on the hockey game everybody i appreciate that choice collectible says david any chance you could show a picture of one of your steve eiserman favorites
1: um actually i didn't i didn't duck them i didn't i, I didn't I mean, they're they're there, but I didn't put it in my on my cell phones. But there's some really nice ones. But you know, for Eisenman, we don't have that kind of like ultra ultra big rare patch and stuff. I do
0: have some limited logos and and things like that. So that's good. That's cool. Yeah. Josh says, "Let's go Leafs." By the way, this is that's an interesting comment for me because you know, historically, traditionally, I'm I'm not a Leaf fan. I'm an anti-Leaf fan. Like I I yeah. cheer for the teams that they're playing against usually, but. But I do like the team set, you know, even their goaltending is, is doing is, is coming through right now. Campbell's doing pretty well. But I will put the hobby ahead of my allegiance. I will just do yeah. that. And I know that it's good for the hobby if the Leafs go, if they win the cup, if they if, all the way. Win, oh, if they go away, the if if they, if they yeah. go on a deep run, if they're in the playoffs during the expo in Toronto, that's four weeks away. I want them to be there during the expo. That'll be it'll add that element of buzz to the room, which will be amazing. So I, as a hobbyist, I will always put the hobby ahead of my own team. And I don't know, I might be the only person in the world who's willing to do that, but I will, mm-hmm. even ahead of my my Calgary Flames. But uh, well, actually, let me rephrase. If the Flames go into the Stanley Cup final against the Leafs, I'm hoping for the Flames, no doubt about it. But if the Leafs win, it's a nice consolation for me that the hobby yeah. will benefit from that. Uh, Bobby Burrell says, Dave, love the Moran's my favorite set. And only time you see that logo on his Jersey. That's see, that's where Bobby shines with all these trivia pieces. Thanks Bobby for that comment. Francesco says hockey was great from 80 until about 03. Now it's a snooze fest players just floating around the ice. No intensity to games anymore. You know, I think there's something to be said for this comment when it comes to the regular season, but the playoffs, I'll tell you, I watch a ton of hockey during the regular season. I watch my team now. I'll watch all the games I watched I watched the Rangers Capitals game a couple nights ago it was amazing like if you want to if you want to get interested in hockey right now is when to watch because if you can't get hooked on it now um I don't you just don't like being entertained I'll just put I'll put that out there I mean the fast-pacing avalanche game oh it's off it's crazy the the things that these guys do on ice at high speed with a puck at the end of their stick is unlike anything and not to take a shot at basketball, but I mean, they're bouncing a ball around wearing very high end sneakers on their feet on a hardwood floor with grip. It's, (laughs) I mean, the skill level that hockey players have is just, it's, it surpasses the skill of basketball. Now, listen, Steph Curry can shoot a can, can, can hit a basket from anywhere on the court. That's high skill. I don't take anything away from him. The ability to to rush the basket, to charge the basket, and, and and dunk, and all these things. I mean, although some basketball players can dunk just by hopping, so it's not all that impressive. But let's face it, Michael Jordan uh, was impressive, and I know there's others. So I apologize, basketball fans. I, I love, I, I do love the sport too, but um, hockey is just a higher skill sport. There's just you can't really argue that. Uh, Evan Thomas says hockey needs a new Noise Boys card. Uh, my favorite insert set. Yes, I love it as well, Evan. T dot says, I feel the truer collector, the less they care about grade. I mean, yeah, like I I hear you. I hear you. I hear you on that for sure. Troy says beautiful Crosby shield. Albert Jones says, why mostly Crosby? I think we we covered that already. Brett says incredible collection to you, Dave. Justin Vick, uh, Dave is building a monster collection again. Look out hockey collectors. Should we look out Dave? Should we look out for you? Well, I think um, most of them probably
1: knows me now, so we're not competitors. Yeah.
0: But the ones that don't know you, if you're out there buying up big cards, or you're bidding on, you know, there's a big yeah. dual shield on auction right now on golden, right? The dual Crosby Lemieux from, from 06, yeah. 07, the cup, an amazing card. And, and total coincidence from Mike at Eastridge, I just purchased it. I purchased a dual shield from that same set uh, yesterday, mm-hmm. I went to the LCS oh. and bought bought the card off of Mike's shelf. So I'm going to show that on after hours in a in a, in a little bit here. But it's not the Lemieux Crosby, of course.
1: Yeah.
0: Grant Patterson says so. That's where the other Crosbys are. <laughs> Grant loves his shield cards. <laughs> Let's see. We're almost. Oh, there's still lots of lots of comments coming through. But uh, we're going to have to. Well, Justin Vick says the legend of David Chow continues. Very good. Yeah. Lots of comments coming, everybody. Thanks for all the engagement tonight. I'm going to just uh, kind of skip to the end here and uh, let's see, is there anything else you want to show before we wrap up? No, I'm, 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 I'm pretty good right now. Uh, we, we haven't, there's
1: some stuff we haven't talked about, but I don't think we have the time today, you know, maybe, you know, stuff about the hobby PWCC, com those kind of things. But I think we're pretty good today. Um, you know, um, the reason I'm showing it through all through my photo, like it was because, um, you know, I have most of the
0: cards with uh, the votes, guys. You know, at PWC, or ship my cards. So, yeah. Well, let's let's spend a couple of minutes, if you don't mind, because I did want to talk about this. I want because we mentioned we talked about it earlier as we were getting to know each other yeah. better, Dave. And you know, we talked about. I'll just ask you, like, what platforms do you like to use? What are, What are your favorites? What What do you? Uh, what do you have to say? And, and are there too many platforms now? Are there too many auction houses? What are your thoughts on on the really the the various channels upon which we have options to buy and sell these days?
1: Yeah, I mean the one I still use the most definitely are um, PWCC. Um, even with them leaving eBay, um, their um, their technology, their website, still to me the, the probably the best ones right now. Um, so I use them a lot. Maybe less still selling. Well, I don't have that many stuff to sell anymore, right? But um, but I still buy from them. It, the only thing I have about with PWCC would be, uh, we kind of mentioned this off the record, but would be the bidding system they have right now. You know, with Because they sell so many cards and there's so many cards that I want to buy, but I don't have time with all the extended bidding for all the smaller cards. Um, I think that's actually leaving a lot of money or people on the table to not notice those cards or not... of just missed out on those cards i mean i understand with the big premium cards that's the way to go and i believe that's way to go for their monthly premium auction but for the weekly auctions and stuff like that um i hope they can come up with something that's you know not snipe it but you know just something that's easier to navigate and and to bid on
0: you know that's
1: the only thing about pwcc and the other platform i used would be com you know um if being in China, you know, we're, it's it's hard for us to sell cards through eBay ourselves. So, um,
0: so Com-C is 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 um is a dream platform for us. Dream platform, yeah. That yeah. it's very convenient, right? Even you know the I, I use uh, COMC quite a bit. Actually, I just loaded about fifteen hundred cards in there this week. Yeah. I use PWCC quite a bit. I like the vault service at PWCC and COMC because you can ship cards there. And, yep. uh, you know, when you're international, like we both are. So I understand yep. what you mean when you say that they're, they're like ComC C is almost a requirement if you're international these days. Is that kind of what, what you think? For sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, good stuff. Um, I'm going to run through some more of these comments. And then we're going to wrap this up, everybody. I'm going to come back on to an episode of After Hours about five or ten minutes after we end this one. Got some cards to show. I got just some talking to do about my collecting, take some questions from you guys. And, uh, and I will reveal the card that I purchased today that I, I kind of did a quick video on my way to picking it up today. On my way from, on my way home from, from picking up the card, did a local deal with a fellow collector IG or a local guy. I'll show that card and I can tease also that I know that Dave, it's a very limited card that I picked up today, less than 10 copies printed. But we are card brothers on this. You own a yep. copy of this card as well, the one I bought today. I showed you earlier. Don't tell anybody yep. what it is yet. Nope. nope. But that's yeah. pretty that's pretty cool that we're we're card bros on this particular card. I like when that happens. Okay, Dave. I'm gonna run through some comments and then we'll we'll wrap this up. Uh T Dot says Crosby is more talented, OV is more durable. Interesting comment right there. Francesco says Obi definitely the better all around and more skilled player. I completely disagree with that comment, Francesco. I just think you're you're dead wrong on that. But that's my opinion. Uh, Josh says basketball has the best athletes of all of the sports. The skill of hockey is due to the game, not due to the players themselves. I mm-hmm. don't know about that, Josh. Don't don't know about that. Don't know about that. I, I don't I'm not going to. i am uh, Yeah, I'll just we'll just keep on keep on going. Uh, someone says, yeah, you're, I think they're calling me crazy. That, that's fine. Um, Alex says leaf fans are prime example of why hockey collectors are so dedicated. We've suffered through years of sadness because we know when the time comes, it'll all be worth it. Yeah. I, I, you know, listen, I I've enjoyed your sadness over the years, the leaf fan sadness, but I will be very happy for you. I've got very good friends who are leaf fans. So I will be very excited for you all when the Leafs end up finally winning a Stanley cup. Rubber side down says basketball is less entertaining for me over the years. Still love it though. Larry says ESPN getting hockey back will help in the USA for its popularity again. Makes good sense to me. Albert Jones says, I want to garbage my Crosby PC now after seeing Dave's Terry fortune says, how do you find these guests? Great show. Thanks. Thank you, Terry. How do I find these guests? You know what? With Dave, it was very easy. Uh, We were already talking on Instagram and um, just a." I invited him on. I said, hey, you know what? Yep. The other thing was I felt we were due for a collector type of episode on the show versus always someone from a company, which I've done a lot of lately. So I wanted to bring back and just have a nice collector episode. So thanks for to Dave for joining uh, w- joining tonight for that. Daniel says we need Dave back. So uh, there you go, Dave. We'll, we'll get you back at some point in the future, right? Troy, yep. you are welcome. Thank you for being here as always. Bang Bang says a top five interview. That's uh that's high praise Dave we've had some big guests company, on the show so yeah. very big praise right there Ovi is a finisher Crosby is the playmaker that's nothing nothing wrong with that but Crosby does have his fair share of goals including the golden one but hey the, without no, without a playmaker like Nicholas backstrom there are no goals for the goal scorer to score and nothing against ovechkin I do love the guy I actually I love ovechkin I think he's a great player but he's a bit of a no. Don't take this the wrong way, OV, OV fans. He's a bit of a one-trick pony. Like he 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 lines up at the top of the circle and waits for those one-timers and fires it into the net. He's the best at it in the world of all time, but he's a bit of a one-trick pony that way. Now he does throw his weight around, and I do I do like most of his game, but he's not a complete player like like Crosby is. He he, he just isn't, in my opinion, at least. Uh, Justin, Vic, this is a great premise and you all talked about a lot of great topics. Thank you, Justin. Glad you enjoyed it. Rich, glad you enjoyed the show. Josh, more collectors. This is the most enjoyable in a while for sure. Thank you, Josh. Not to say I don't like the company guys, but I like them so much less than collectors. Very fair. Facebook user. I agree. Love the like, love the like for episodes. Sean, need more, need Dr. Price back. We'll see. Yeah, we can see about getting Dr. Price back. Yeah. t dot. Dave is right. is relatable to the average Joe. Colin Murray says Backstrom was out half this year and OB proved his worth. He certainly did. Collector episode, darn small buttons. Got it. Thank you, user. All right, Dave, anything you want to end this with? Anything you want to say to the audience or uh, anything at all?
1: Um, well, not much. Just hopefully maybe I'll be back in five years
0: and um, you're going to see a very good collection. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully we'll have you back sooner than five years from now guys if you're not yet following dave on instagram you've seen it on the ticker for the last while at shanghai underscore card underscore collector give him a follow on instagram be sure to download the center stage app guys these guys are doing really cool things in the hobby at the apple in the apple app store follow them on instagram at center stage hq don't forget about the sport card expo in toronto june 2nd to 5th Less than a month away, sportcardexpo.com. Check it out. Be sure to check out tradesafehub.com as well. I will be back with After Hours in just a few minutes. Francesco says, I bet Jeremy has more. Of course I do. Like, Of course I do, Francesco. But don't try and use it against me. I mean, that would just be ridiculous. B. Cox says, hockey is very fortunate to have Dave in the space now. That's really nice to say. B. Cox, thank you very much. Chris Straw, my favorite episode so far, Dave. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool right there. Okay, guys, that's it. We're going to end this episode. I'll be back on After Hours. Give me about five, ten minutes to refill my water, and I will be back. Dave, hang tight right there. This episode is over. Seeking the truth never gets
1: old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death